Over the past year, I've been on a healing adventure. I've spent the past 12 months recovering from brain fog, pain, and chronic fatigue. Like any good adventure story, there have been highs and lows, losses and gains, and an incredible amount of personal growth and lessons learned. This journey has made me a better health practitioner and a more empathetic coach. To add more meaning to my experience, I wanted to create something that would help others to increase their energy, clear their mind, and restore their health. I created the Brain Fog Bible. The Brain Fog Bible is a 47-page guide that covers what I call the low-hanging fruit. It explores the most important areas to be assessed and addressed if you want more from life, but your brain and your body are holding you back. You can grab a copy at brainfogbible.com forward slash download. That's brainfogbible.com forward slash download. I believe one of the most important things that we can do is give ourselves the gift of truly nourishing the soul through time spent in self-inquiry, moments that still the mind and practices that light us up and allow us to reconnect to the child within. Move, Breathe, Create is a platform that celebrates soul nourishment. Move your body to get out of your head. Breathe to give yourself mental clarity and calm. Create without expectation to fuel your inspiration and delight your senses. Come and join us over at movebreathecreate.com and use the code kombucha for your first month free. I'm looking forward to seeing you inside the community. From a young age, I was passionate about nutrition and helping people with their health. When I started practicing in the field, I realized that physiology and psychology are intimately intertwined. Some of my clients just needed to know what to do to feel better. And many of my clients knew what they should be doing, they just weren't doing it. Underneath it all, unconscious conditioning was getting in the way of their success. This drove me to uplevel my skill set and coach my clients to remove some of their mental roadblocks and reconnect with the wisdom of the body. I learned about the importance of embodiment and harnessing the power of emotions to get more of what you want from life. I started offering intensive one-to-one coaching packages and I launched my Grounded Goddess group program. I also wanted to create a free offering to help women understand the power of the mind, body, and emotions. I created the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. The Grounded Goddess Blueprint is a 43-page guide that will help you reconnect with what you want from life and teach you how to build your roadmap to create it. It will help you understand why you often find yourself going round in circles and engaging with self-sabotage. If you feel stuck, overwhelmed or frustrated with lack of results, you want the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. If you want clarity, understanding and more success, you want the Grounded Goddess Blueprint. Just go over to groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint and grab your copy. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash blueprint. Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. 
This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kombucha and Color. I'm Shay, and I have Anna, as always, with me. Today, we are going into the deep science world, which is Anna's domain, and she is going to be sharing today with us all about neurotransmitters. She's going to be talking about psychology, physiology, how to change our states and what we need to look at, and from a coaching lens and sharing out different, some different um, neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, all these different things that affect how we feel and think and behave, obviously, and then also look at that through a woman's health perspective and how these neurotransmitters are present or perhaps low in different stages of our cycle. Um, but Anna's got a much more um, clear, specific idea of where this is because this is her field of excellence. So Anna, just why don't you take it away? Yeah, thank you, Shay. And um, I just, before we dive into the episode, I always have to like say thank you for your patience because I know that these like very... I want to say science heavy episodes, but I think there's a lot of like, I don't want to say that in a way that scares people off. Please don't switch to the next episode <laughs> now, but like, <laughs> don't you, go, don't go, please don't go. But yeah, Shay often has to sit and listen to me, you know, talk through some of this very science heavy, heavy stuff. And she's always so attentive and, you know, really gets involved and does her best to kind of rein in my inner geek. So, so thank you for being here to facilitate the episode today. And well, um, I think I, yeah, I think it's good because you kind of give this very science model and then sometimes I'll be like, oh, but how does this apply into like our lived experience and kind of it's a good balance. So I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, and Shay she basically starts to ask me all these like difficult questions that I haven't quite prepared to answer, but it's good because <laughs> it, it helps me to think on my toes. Um, so just to kind of back up a little bit and frame the episode is we've obviously, if you've been listening to some of our episodes before, you may already know that I've been going through this um, healing adventure over the past 18 months or so. And as a consequence of that, we've spoken a lot actually about brain health. I think we did an episode specifically on brain health. We also interviewed the author of The Source. Remind me of her name, Shay. Tara Swart. We interviewed Tara Swart, um, who wrote the book, The Source, um, which looks at kind of optimizing your brain health. And we've touched on this in, in various different ways before. But I kind of thought that we haven't actually specifically talked about neurotransmitters, which is very interesting because neurotransmitters are these little tiny communication hormones that, that are in the brain. And their job is to kind of move from one brain cell to the next brain cell and send communication messages so that our brain knows what to do and our brain knows how to function that's a really really important job because our brain is controlling just everything in our body so today specifically um, I wanted to focus on serotonin and dopamine there are other neurotransmitters as well which I might give a little bit of lip service to but I thought two is enough just for today not to overwhelm people too much what I've been thinking about a lot recently is something I always say, which is our psychology and our physiology are intertwined. If we want to feel good or we want to think positively, it's much easier to access that when physiologically our body is working well. We've all experienced that. You've eaten a healthy meal, you've done some exercise, you've had a good night's sleep, 
you're hydrated, um, you're maybe in you know, the first half of your hormonal cycle, and it's so much easier to feel inspired, to feel creative, to have motivation. Not that we can't access those things at other times, but I think it's just easier to access that potential within inside ourselves when we are physiologically firing on all cylinders. And so from a coaching perspective, I think, you know, often coaching is many things. And one of the things that coaching is, is helping a client to find their more resourceful self or to access a more resourceful emotional way of being and give them the tools to do that so that they are feeling good. Because when we feel good, we do good. We make empowered decisions. We feel a little bit more courageous. We're ready to take those risks. We're ready to take that leap of faith. And it's those collective actions that add up. And that really has the potential to change the trajectory of our lives. And and that's essentially what coaching is. It helps people gain access to that ability. But a lot of coaches, unless they are trained in physiology, are many just working on the level of the mind. Or if you're more of a spiritual coach, maybe you're working a little bit more with energy or the connection to self and that soul connection, the embodiment piece as well. But that, that is kind of the work that I do. So I work with my clients, you know, with the, the kind of more sort of, I would say, very mental, cognitive processing coaching tools. But then I also work with the embodiment and the energy side of things as well. And in addition to that, I integrate the physiology. So how do I help my clients optimize the physical functioning of their body so that they are able to get more from the mental side, get more from the spiritual side? Because I think we've spoken about this many times on the show is like we are also human as much as we are these spiritual beings and all these different parts of ourselves need to be nourished. And where I'm kind of going with all of this is if there is a neurotransmitter imbalance, maybe because what I'm going to focus on today specifically is an impaired ability to make these neurotransmitters, specifically serotonin and dopamine, then that's really going to be something that no matter how much you are, you know, saying your positive affirmations or doing your best to kind of rally yourself together or or, um, kind of self-motivate or self-inspire, it can sometimes really feel like pushing a rock up a hill. And we've spoken a lot, less so recently, but in the past, we used to speak a lot about the work of Joe Dispenza, where you're using meditation to access more empowering emotional states and then through accessing these more empowering emotional states you change your energy and his whole thing is you change your energy you change your life and I still do believe in the validity of that but I think it's much harder when biochemically you're just not set up for the best possible outcomes and that's what this episode is all about. I'm excited so will you tell us some of the things that we can look out for if we feel like oh there's an imbalance here or what would that look like and how do we go about kind of fixing it? Yeah so I think the best way to introduce that is to share from my personal experience which is with the current presentation of what I'm working with recovering from chronic fatigue I just said to you before we start recording like every week there's some good days there's some mediocre days and then there's the bad days and you know, over time, those the bad days are less bad and the good days are getting better. But on the bad days, what I feel that I'm experiencing or what I like to think I'm experiencing is what I call my feelings of inflammation. So that is the inflammation which is driving brain fog, inflammation which is driving fatigue, and also inflammation which is driving low mood. 
because when the body is more inflamed and specifically in the case of neurotransmitters, when the brain is more inflamed, neurotransmitter production is impaired. So I think I wrote a post at the beginning of the year, which is like, I'm sorry for what I said when I was inflamed, because when you, when you, if anyone has experienced this, even for example, if you've had the flu and you, um, you know, you've got a headache, you've got a fever, your energy is drained, um, your mood is really, really low, you'll know that like, you're just not yourself. You just don't feel yourself. And on these days when I'm feeling these feelings of inflammation, I don't feel like myself or I don't feel like my higher self or, or the self that I like to think is me. And I think even Shay, when you were um, in the beginning of your pregnancy and you were feeling really unwell from all the morning sickness, and I think you wrote a post on social media about how you felt like you lost your sparkle. And that's kind of like exactly it. You're like, when you're just not feeling good. You, you just don't feel like yourself. So with my clients, there's many things I do with them. But one of the things that we do is we work to optimize their physiology so they can feel like their self more often or feel like the self that they want to be more often. So from the neurotransmitter perspective specifically, um, the two that I said I'd focus on were serotonin and dopamine. So if I start with serotonin, serotonin impairment can look like Loss, loss of pleasure in the hobbies, interests, and favorite activities that we have. And, and that's also like exactly why we wouldn't feel like ourselves when we lose interest in those things that, usually, that we usually associate with us being ourselves. There can be feelings of rage and anger. There can be feelings of depression, difficulty finding joy, also experiencing low mood if the sun's not out. And I know, for example, like I am a summer baby. If the sun is out, I always feel 10 times better. In the winter, especially in the UK here where it's very dark, I just feel like it, it's, I'm just not having as good a day. Loss of enjoyment in the, the favorite foods that you used to love, or maybe finding that you're not enjoying your friendships and your relationships as much as what you were previously. There can also be carbohydrate cravings, which I know a lot of women have at certain times of the month or just generally. And it can also be difficult to fall into that very deep, restorative, restful sleep. So, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I could tick some of those boxes, or maybe you think, I could tick some of those boxes some of the time, or you're thinking I could tick some of those boxes at certain times in my menstrual cycle, that could be a sign that serotonin production is impaired. And we'll move on to you in a bit about like what you can do then to support your body. So any questions on that, Shay? And it was just interesting when you were talking about this idea of being inflamed. And for me, like I know that you have a really good diet. And when I hear the word inflamed, like from all of our work and the, what you've been speaking through over these course of this podcast show, like inflammation starts in the gut. But then that's interesting to me because you seem to have some, you seem to have like a real, I would say, quote unquote, clean diet in terms of gut health and managing that. So I'm just curious as to, is this something that is like bypassing that gut that even if the gut is really super healthy, there's just some kind of thing that's not performing correctly in the serotonin production? 
Yeah, you know, interestingly, I just remembered to say this as you were talking, but we actually make a lot of serotonin in the gut as well, which is an interesting connection. Mm. I think about 70% of serotonin is made in the gut, and it's also involved in the motility, in motility. So another symptom which I'll just mention while I think of it is constipation, because we need that serotonin production for gut motility. And if that's not happening, um, especially as women, um, women I notice tend more towards constipation that can be related to hormone as well but to answer your question um you know this is what makes me so sad (laughs) is i do feel like i've i've always been interested in health um ever since i was you know preteen i'd always been interested in the way that food impacts our body and i've looked after myself in in various different ways across my whole lifetime and, and that is what's actually led me down the path or got me exactly where i am today is through my own curiosity for my own healing I've learned so much and then I've been able to pass that medicine on to others which is why it's so frustrating for me to end up here in this position but if we take the kind of diet and gut health stuff out of the picture one thing that can also be a huge cause for inflammation is stress and I think one of the biggest and most powerful learnings for me across this process is that you know, yes, we can have stress by exercising too hard. And I've probably been guilty of that in the past. And yes, we can have stress by working too hard. And I've probably been guilty of that in the past. Um, And yes, we can have the natural stresses from finances and relationships. And, you know, in my history, traveling a lot and jet lag and putting a lot of pressure on myself. But I think the most powerful thing for me is the hidden stress, which is created from unconscious belief systems and then how that plays out in terms of our behavior. And we've spoken in the past about anger and being able to access anger and sometimes how we can suppress anger because there's a belief that it's not safe for me to be angry or it's not attractive for me to be angry or it's not okay to be angry or or whatever that might be for the individual. So I think that it's almost like the perfect storm. I do think I've had a chronic infection from my gut for a long time, which is maybe compromising my immune system. Then layer on a lot of lifestyle stress, a lot of self-imposed stress from my personality, hidden stress from suppressed emotions. And it's all just like a, a a cumulative storm of conditions and for me it's manifested as as it has in my body based on who I am as a person for someone else it might manifest in an autoimmune condition for someone else it might manifest as something like endometriosis which is a female hormone and um, condition so I, I think that these kind of perfect storms are created and then they just show up in our bodies in different ways yeah so very long-winded explanation but that's, no, that's good <laughs> yeah that's kind of I, I change perspectives a lot the more that I read and the more I reflect and the more I think about things and the more my experiences change but that's kind of the description I've arrived at currently at this point in time So we had talked a little bit about serotonin. The next one I wanted to talk about was dopamine, which I think is a very interesting one from a coaching perspective, because the very first thing on my list is inability to produce adequate dopamine can be related to the inability to self-motivate. And so often I have an application form that clients fill out for me when, um, before they work with me and it comes up time and time again. It's like, I need someone to motivate me or I need to find motivation. And so 
I had never really thought about it in this way before. From a coaching perspective, I say, no, you don't need motivation. Motivation comes from pain, energy. You need to tap into your pleasure. So there's like a whole psychological side of things. But now when I see that on a client's film, I'm like, hmm, I wonder if there's some you know, inadequate dopamine going on there and what's imbalanced in the, in the, from the physiological perspective. Other things on the dopamine list are inability to start tasks or inability to finish tasks. So I think Gretchen Rubin talks a little bit about like starters and finishes. Some people will start things much more easily, but they struggle to finish them. Some people will find it difficult to start, but then once they've got started, they, they'll keep on going and see things to completion. So I'm not quite sure where the dopamine fits in in terms of that, um, but maybe if it's tied into some of the other things as well. Feelings of worthlessness, feelings of hopelessness. And again, here I'm thinking how many of my clients come to me and say that they're feeling unworthy and that whole worthiness being good enough piece, I think is not just neurotransmitter imbalance. I think it's conditioning as well, but it's just interesting. Could somebody, if they worked on their dopamine production, could that just give them a little bit more of a boost? And would that then help them to start to access their worthiness you know, in other ways? Loss of temper for minor reasons, inability to handle stress, feeling anger under stress and feeling a desire to isolate and cravings for meat. So <laughs> serotonin is more carbohydrate cravings and then dopamine is more cravings for meat. So you can see here that I guess the reason why I wanted to go through some of these um, symptoms is that people might start to identify maybe with some of them, obviously it depends on your health, but I think it's just about going, okay, this isn't just only me and, and my negative thinking. It actually might be, there actually might be other things that I can do apart from learning tools and reconditioning my brain that could just help me get that little bit of an edge. Because sometimes I think in the past I've worked with clients that I just can't get them to do anything because they're just so low on themselves. They're feeling so worthless and hopeless that to even get anything started it just doesn't happen and maybe those are the type of people that actually we just need to give them some really really easy things to do that will boost their dopamine and then some of those coaching things can get a little bit more traction and I think it's also useful to when you're thinking about these symptoms to think about in relation to a general period of time as opposed to some kind of external thing or something that is specific like if I think of myself like oh motivation but like actually we've been in quarantine we've been sitting in the same house for three weeks like is this a dopamine imbalance or is this a, is this a, psycholo a psychological like environmental thing that is causing me to feel this from an emotional perspective without it actually being related to my physical or physiology so I think it's like useful to think about that as well yeah and I think it's really good to point that out because then now like everybody's going to be panicking they have low dopamine when it's actually just lockdown so um yeah I think it's you know the way we think and the way we feel and the way we behave always complex because that is the nature of being human and I think this is just another perspective for people to listen to and then go hmm actually, maybe this does apply to me because I've ruled out X, Y, and Z, or I've tried these other things and they haven't worked or they have worked, but now what's the next step? So the next thing I wanted to talk about was um, women specifically. And obviously, you know, this podcast is generally a podcast for women, although men are more than welcome to listen to it too. And I thought it might be nice to touch on how these two neurotransmitters are impacted 
in relation to our cycle. So the, the relationship between estrogen, which is one of our main female hormones, and these neurotransmitters, serotonin and dopamine, is that when estrogen drops or declines, we'll see a decline in serotonin and dopamine. So the way that the cycle works is roundabout ovulation. If you're like a healthy, normal cycling woman, there's an estrogen surge. And that estrogen surge, again, in the average cycle happens around day 12, but it may vary just depending on the length of your cycle. So there's an estrogen surge that happens, which means as estrogen is increasing, you may also experience an increase in dopamine, an increase in serotonin. And I think that's why some women report that they, that's why we're supposed to feel great um, when we're ovulating. You know, we're feeling happy. We want to get out there. We want to socialize. We're feeling inspired. We want to do stuff. So you can see naturally how that fits in with, with maybe what you have already experienced in your cycle. And no, that's not always everyone's experience either for various reasons. Then what happens is after that estrogen surge, then um, estrogen drops off again and it, it kind of stays not as high but higher in the second half of the cycle and that's balanced with progesterone production is adequate. And so when you've got good levels of progesterone and good levels of estrogen, that kind of keeps neurotransmitters in, in, at a good level. But then premenstrually, we see that those hormones begin to drop off again. And that can typically explain why a lot of women start to feel they have more carbohydrate cravings uh, towards the end of their cycle. That might be why you start to feel that your mood is a little bit lower, your motivation is a little bit lower, you're feeling more tired, you're feeling more sluggish. So there is this natural undulation or natural up and down of hormones throughout the cycle. And in alignment with that, we'll probably also experience natural changes in our neurotransmitters. Now, in a, in a healthy cycle, those ups and downs will have their nuances. They won't be excessive or exaggerated. So that means for someone with a healthy cycle, yeah, they'll notice they feel a little bit different, but it won't be like night and day. It won't be these horrible, oh, I feel so good. Now I'm completely crashing and feel absolutely miserable. It will be a lot more subtle. So if you maybe do notice you have these big ups and downs in terms of how you feel in your mood across your monthly cycle, yes, it could be changes in your neurotransmitters, but those changes in neurotransmitters are coming as a consequence of drastic changes in your hormones. So addressing hormonal balance first could be all that's needed to bring those hormones back into check. Or there are some other things that you can do to support serotonin, to support dopamine, and you could do those cyclically. Um, so you don't have to do it across the whole cycle, but you could add in a few extra nutrients or do a, little, a few little bits and bobs that will just help in those times of the cycle when you're not feeling 100%. And what would be some of those nutrients or things that you could do? So the first thing I wanted to say is we've actually talked about this before because our healthy, healthy neurotransmitter production relies on a healthy brain. So if your brain is well and healthy, then your neurotransmitter production will be well and healthy. And so I'll just talk through some of the things, but we've, we've talked, there've been a couple of episodes, for example, there's the episode where you talked about the source and this episode where you interviewed Tara Swartz. And then there's the episode where I talk about brain health from a physiological perspective. So all those episodes um, will be like, great if you want to go back and listen to them. But basically what a brain needs is it needs glucose. So it needs to have adequate fuel 
And so if blood glucose is too high, if there's any big swings in blood glucose based on what you're eating in your diet or maybe even stress, that's going to have a negative impact on the health of your brain and that will have a negative impact on neurotransmitter production. The next thing is oxygen. So if there's any anemia, low B12, low folate, low iron levels, um, that can impact red blood cell health and that impact impacts oxygen transport to the brain um, and you know just bad breathing <laughs> can impact oxygen transport to the brain and so that's why a lot of our yogic practices and pranayama practices can also be really great for brain health the next thing the brain needs is stimulation so if you if you don't use it you'd lose it which means that we want to stimulate our brain in different ways by doing different things, but also too much stimulation of the same kind can be a problem too if the brain becomes overstimulated. So the way that I'll explain that is in the context of me. If I'm doing a very cognitive task, so say I'm, I'm working with a client and we're on a call and I'm really like, I'm, I'm listening with my ears, I'm, I'm like watching their body language with my eyes, I'm like completely present with their clients and I'm thinking about what they're saying on, on a tangible level. I'm thinking about what they're not saying. I'm reading their energy. There's just so much going on. I almost, I feel like I'm kind of grabbing all sorts of balloons that are just like drifting away and trying to bring them all like to the ground. It's a very, very energetically intensive process. And so what's happening there is like I'm, I'm getting stimulated by all these cognitive um, and energetic tasks that I'm doing. And if I was to currently like do two calls back to back, I would just be so overstimulated. My brain would go into a state of inflammation and then I would just crash. So we want to have stimulation, but it's very dose dependent is that it's the same as if you go and you exercise like really, really hard and you do two hours of very, very heavy training, you send your body into a state of inflammation and for like the next week, you can't do anything. So it's about this kind of dose dependent stimulation where we're challenged in different ways. So all parts of the brain um, are stimulated. Um, then sleep. So sleep is when our brain restores itself, um, especially, you know, our deep sleep and our REM sleep is really important. Managing stress and managing inflammation, which we've kind of touched on already. I mean, we could do and we have done whole episodes on what to do to manage inflammation, what to do to manage stress. So I won't go into it in that much detail. So those are the foundational things is that's what I call like the low hanging fruit, like just check your blood glucose, make sure it's where it needs to be. Just check your blood work, see if there's any anemia, maybe take some supplements to help get your nutrients up if that, that's what needs to happen. Get your sleep and check, manage stress, especially meditation um, has a really positive impact on our brain health and our neurotransmitter function. So, you know, that's a great thing to add in. And then you know, doing all the other little bits and pieces like eating a diet, which is you know going to support inflammation in the body. So once you've got all of that done, then there are some specific nutrients that can help. So for serotonin, the two kind of major things are 5-HTP, which is 5-hydroxytryptophan, which is an amino acid, and just tryptophan itself. So it's recommended that you take both because one crosses the blood brain barrier and the other one doesn't. And iron helps to support the conversion of 5-hydroxytryptophan to tryptophan. So that's again why you want to kind of rule out, like it's so easy just to go and get a blood test. So maybe you just need to check, oh, what are my ferritin levels? And you kind of want them to be 40 plus. What are my ferritin levels? Okay. 
I've got all these symptoms of low serotonin. I've checked my iron levels a little bit low. That probably means I'm not getting a lot of oxygen to my brain. And that probably also means I'm not converting hydroxy, 5-hydroxytryptophan to serotonin very well. So there's some, like, for me, I know, because I work with this all the day, it seems obvious to check that stuff. But for someone listening to this, it's, I, I feel that, that's, that that is like practical stuff that you can really do to get some answers. Um, then B12 and folate are other nutrients that can help with oxygenation of the brain, but they also can help with serotonin production. Magnesium, I really like, I've been taking this myself now for the past couple of months, is the form of magnesium, which is magnesium 3 and 8. The reason being is it's the only form of magnesium that can cross the blood-brain barrier, and it increases something which is called brain-derived neurotropic factor, which we've talked a little bit about um, on the show before, um, especially when Shay talked about the source. So that's a really nice little magnesium supplement to take if you want to work on your brain health. And just a couple of others is vitamin B3 and um, P5P. And would you try and take these, like the tryptophan and all those things, are those supplements that you would take from a bottle or would you try and access them through diet? And what are some of the things that you could use to get them from your diet source? So tryptophan is available mostly in animal-based proteins. So for example, turkey, chicken breast, those types of foods will be high in tryptophan. But I think if someone is really experiencing this inadequate serotonin production, dietary sources are, are supportive, but they might not be enough to really make a difference. So you could supplement with something like 5-HTP. It's not expensive. Please don't take this as medical advice um, because supplements can interact with medications. So you do want to be careful. You can't just go to the shop and just buy some 5-HTP if you're taking any medications that could interact and then that could make you feel worse. But if I was working with a client, I'd maybe start them off with 100 milligrams of 5-HTP and they would take that and then notice how they feel. And we would just increase the dosage to see if it offered any additional benefits. So for example, if they take 100 milligrams and they feel good, do they feel better when they take 200 and so on? And then you find the level at which they don't um, notice any additional benefit. I've used this recently with a client who was struggling a little bit with sleep, anxiety, lots of carbohydrate cravings. And she says that she feels much more balanced now. The carbohydrate cravings are still there. I think there's some other reasons for that too, but they have improved. And it might be something that you just take you know, for a little period of time or you could take cyclically. So as I said, you know, when you have those dips in your hormonal cycle, maybe you'd know, okay, for the last week of the cycle, I'm just going to take my 5-HTP. So it's not something that you necessarily take all the time. And everybody is different. And you, you kind of just want to have a play, like be playful with it. And, and don't like have these like hard and fast expectations about how things should work. But it's just coming at it from this place of, oh, let me just try and see, like, how do I feel when I take this? And do I notice a benefit? I think you're always going to have people who respond really, really well and people who don't respond as well. And that might usually be a sign that there's something else going on. There's something else you also want to be looking at. So then for dopamine, um, actually very, very similar, very, very similar recommendations in terms of the B vitamins are very good. But one of the things is worth mentioning is dark chocolate, because that's just always, it's always, you know, a good, good, nice to have an excuse to eat some dark chocolate. And then selenium which you can get in brazil nuts so two brazil nuts a day just two can give a really really great amount of selenium and it's perfect if you've got any 
thyroid condition as well, and something else which is called alpha-lipoic acid. Then there's a whole bunch of herbs which collectively can help to support dopamine. And I could tell you what they are, but I would just be rattling off a whole bunch of long names. So what I thought would be more helpful is just to tell you the product that I use with my clients, which is a product which is called Dopa Boost. And I think, I uh, can't remember now, I think it's um, Designs for Health is the company that makes it, but I could be wrong. That is the product that I recommend for clients because it's just got everything that you need to support dopamine production. And here, just taking a couple, you know, first thing in the day can be really beneficial. And with the clients that I mentioned previously is, again, she was one of those clients who's really kind of struggling a little bit with her motivation. And it was to the point where, yes, I wanted to work on blood glucose. Yes, I wanted to work on oxygenation and managing stress and managing inflammation with her, but she wasn't yet motivated enough to do all those things. So we did kind of bypass what I would call some of the foundational work and just start with some supplementation to get things going. And that also made a really, really big difference for her. And she noticed a difference quite quickly. And if you support dopamine, like you take this dopa boost or whatever, does that also have an impact on serotonin? Do they work in relationship to each other or are they completely separate? No, that's one of those awkward questions <laughs> that I wasn't prepared for. Well, no, all these hormones yeah. do relate to one another. It's quite common to see both are low together, but I'm not actually 100% sure of like the interaction between the two because your neurotransmitters are just like they're they're jumping from one neuron to the next neuron and saying do this and then they jump and say do this so it is quite a completely separate action that's taking place so um yeah that's basically brought me to the end of what i wanted to share on neurotransmitters today there were just a couple more which i said i give lip service to and that's um gaba and acetylcholine um, and why i wanted to mention these two is just um, because i talked a little bit about the relationship of neurotransmitters with the hormonal cycle GABA is influenced by progesterone, which is the hormone we produce in the second half of the cycle after ovulation. And so the reason why it's worth mentioning is because a lot of women either um, have problems with achieving ovulation for various reasons, or they ovulate, but they still have low levels of progesterone because inflammation in the body can impact progesterone production. And so if progesterone is low, that's going to have an impact on GABA, and that can also increase the feelings of anxiety anxiety, feelings of overwhelm, anxiousness, um, which might be some of the symptoms related to low GABA. So if you notice, especially in the second half of the cycle, there's more feelings of overwhelm and you are feeling more anxious, I would say maybe it's not even a question of going in to address GABA. There, there are things that you can take like L-theanine or passion flower, for example, which can help, can be quite calming on the nervous system, but maybe it's worthwhile just like thinking about your hormones, thinking about inflammation. Are you ovulating? Are you producing enough progesterone? And then the final one, which is acetylcholine, is worth mentioning because this one is the one that can be related to cognitive decline with age. So um, poor acetylcholine function can be related to Alzheimer's disease. And it is because women, once they pass menopause, have got very low levels of estrogen. So we're looking at probably changes in all the neurotransmitters, but it's this, it's almost like that drop in estrogen sort of can set the stage for cognitive decline. So it's specifically related to memory, short-term memory, language skills, writing skills, spatial perception, those types of things. So again, if 
if you're maybe a little bit concerned about your brain or maybe you have hit the you know perimenopause menopausal stage you know your estrogen levels are low and you're thinking hmm my memory is not quite as good as what it used to be then maybe just thinking about getting a little bit more choline in your diet which you can get from eggs and and thinking a little bit more about um, you know brain health all the different things we spoke about the glucose oxygenation managing inflammation sleep and stress management well, you have given us a lot to think about and process and absorb. Yeah, is there anything else that you want to add or share for me about your personal experience and working through this? And have you seen any changes in yourself after implementing any of these things? So the one thing I would say, I mean, my, my whole healing adventure is an adventure of working on the blood glucose, the oxygenation, the stress management, inflammation, the stimulation. And so I think one of the things to frame is that it, it takes time from an acetylcholine perspective, I'll also just share this as a nice little hack, is um, one of the things that helps to stimulate like, good production of um, that neurotransmitter is a um, supplement called Huperzine A. And you can get that on Amazon. I found one is like 200 milligrams per tablet, I think. And I just take a couple of those when I've got any cognitive work to do. So like this morning when I sat at my desk, I just took um, a couple of those. And I find it's really, really helpful just for like mental focus. So if you are one of those people who maybe feels a little bit unfocused when you're sitting at your desk, and obviously there can be many reasons for that, but you feel like you want a little bit of an extra edge, that might be something worth trying. Amazing. You'll have to put some of the links to these names in the show notes. There's going to be a lot. <laughs> That's why I didn't go through all the things for dopamine because I would just be like, what? What did you say? How do you spell that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, well, thank you for your patience today. <laughs> to listen to and thank you for everything. sharing with us. And I'm sure um, people who are listening will think, oh, that relates to me. Or perhaps someone I know could do with that. And if you do know somebody who you think maybe this episode might help, then definitely forward it on to them, share it with them so that they can get some of this information and maybe reach out to Anna if they feel like they need something a little bit more personalized that she can help with. So thank you for sharing. My pleasure. And I was just going to add to that is like when you feel your brain's not working, sometimes making the changes can feel very overwhelming. So um, if anybody does want to reach out to me for a little bit of extra help and support, then do feel free. I have just to do like a single consultation. So it's not a big financial commitment or a big lengthy time commitment or coaching package, but you can just get a little bit of a direction that you need to, to move your health needle forward. Have a great week, everyone, and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Color. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Daya Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week.